Stay tuned. Eastside Radio, 89.7 FM. And by the sacred parchment, I swear that if I reveal the secrets of the stonecutters, may my stomach become bloated and my head be plucked of all but three hairs. Um, I think you should have to take a different oath. Everyone takes the same oath. Welcome to the club number 908. You have joined the sacred order of the stonecutters, who since ancient times have split the rocks of ignorance that obscure the light of knowledge and truth. Now let's all get drunk and play ping pong. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Breaking Waves. And you're Riley. Indeed I am, and you're John Mark. And I am. Greetings, everyone. Greetings and salutations. Today we're into our second episode on the topic of insiders. Uh, last week we went through childhood stories, and this week we're going to be getting into the more adolescent, young adulthood stories, right, John? Yeah, leaving the, um, the family tribe, um, the inside of the family, and going into... The outside world, you know, we spend time at school, uh, which is kind of like a job, and it's got all kinds of rules and regulations. And when we get to um, get past our adolescent years, we kind of enter the world out there of adults, and it's a it's a tricky transition for a lot of people. It certainly was for me. How about you, Riley? Um, it was. Uh, it's always tricky. Sorry, <laughs> it certainly is. Um, yeah, when I was at, uh, what was going on culturally uh, for me when I was at school was the the hippie movement had been a big uh, influence on all kinds of things, um, fashion and um, kind of rules and regulations of society. I guess um, young people are always pushing the limits um, of the establishment, and the hippie thing was. Um, around when I was a little kid, but I, it didn't really influence me that much. The big thing that happened when I went to school was the punk movement. Um, and, you know, I was interested in music um, since I was little and played in lots of bands. And the punk thing came along when I, I got to boarding school. And um, I hated boarding school when I first got there, but the the music and brought me together was like-minded uh, people. And um, it made... Uh, my life there much more bearable. In fact, it made it really exciting. Um, how about you, Riley? What was going on when you were um, uh, in your teens at school? Well, of course, you know about um, the Eshe lads, and um, I obviously wasn't a part of that movement. But um, the uh, something that was big when I was a teenager was uh, emo music, and so this is a subgenre of music that came from that post-hardcore um, genre and uh, it had been building up you know, throughout the 90s but it went more mainstream in the 2000s uh, when I was young and it um, had the sub-genres within itself like screamo but essentially the emos aesthetically had uh, dyed black hair with a fringe uh, running down one side of the forehead. I've seen that. I didn't know what that was. Emus. Emos. Emo, yeah, emo. EMO and um, the uh, I guess it's associated with kind of maudlin, depressing lyrics and uh, suicide ideation and 
uh, well, those are the more the kind of uh, negative, like, media kind of um, uh, accusations against it, like um, causing teens to, like, cut themselves and things like that. Uh, but it's uh, aesthetically, it's a bit similar to the goth thing with the, um, yeah, with the darker colours. Um, so, yeah, emo was big and uh, pop-punk music was big and there's crossovers within uh, those con- cultural uh, movements as well. And how did that, um, like, affect your life at school and with your mates? Was it a big influence on what you did, how you spent your time and what went on at school? No, not really. It was an influence on um, how some people dressed and um, the kind of music that some people listened to, and that was about it Yeah, <laughs> for me. But I didn't personally affiliate myself with any um, kind of cultural movement. Um so I didn't have that kind of a sense of kinship with a particular um, subculture. Yeah, I only got into it because um, being in a boarding school and being it was very oppressive. <laughs> being in there, we had to march around with uniforms, and we had to incredibly structured life that went from seven a.m. to you know seven at night. And partly, I think it was it was a, rebe- a rebellion against that. You mm. know, we used to um, set our gear up on uh, in the quadrangle outside the headmaster's office and um you know play um sex pistol songs and stuff like that and we used to rip our school uniform up and shave our heads and a few guys got uh, suspended for shaving their heads which was a bit strange because they they insisted on very short haircuts but um yeah it um it was attractive for those reasons um when when i left school and kept playing music it, it um you know, our music progressed on its own. It, we didn't really fit, uh, stick to the confines of the punk thing, um, but very influential when I was at school. Mm. Well, we've got um, a piece of music to play that's uh, all about joining a fan club. Yeah, it's a great band called Jellyfish, which um, I work with those guys when they came out and toured here. They're broken up now, but um, amazing band, fantastic live, very talented um, musicians. So this is Jellyfish with joining a fan club from their 1993 album Spilt Milk.
was Jellyfish. And the song was about being in a fan club. Were you in any fan clubs, Riley? Um, I wasn't a big club joiner no, myself. No, me neither. No, but I did join a few groups. I suppose um, leaving school, you've got to uh, go out into the society, which is kind of a big club, and you re- all kinds of requirements. And one of the things is to make money and look after yourself and negotiate you know, life on a day-to-day basis. Um, looking back, I can see I wasn't very well equipped for that. But at the same time, I, um, I was incredibly excited about my life back in that period of time. How about you, Riley? What was going on? Um, I was not excited for it. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't want... Uh, I was excited for certain aspects of it, but definitely um, I didn't have a sense of uh, freedom, um, really. Uh, I felt very encumbered by uh, things that were going on for me at the time. So uh, I yeah, ended up working at the, um, the same high school that I went to, uh, which was very small school how did you um, manage that i was uh employed so i was asked to to work there um and uh so that was um definitely an interesting kind of experience work were you doing uh oh teachers aid work yeah yeah you weren't a janitor no no <laughs> um so i was uh handling kind of more extracurricular type of activities like uh the uh, I was helping out with the drama class and with the radio program that we run at a community radio station. Um, and so I got to have that insight on both sides of the uh, spectrum of having previously been a student there and then and then working there and, and working with you know a lot of the same people where they'd been, you know uh, my, these people that were my superiors, in a sense, uh, were now my colleagues. And so that's an interesting uh, dynamic there. Did that require um, any training, qualifications to get that job? Um, well, there's mandatory um, training that everyone has to do. Um, but I didn't do um, like a university or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think that um, kids, uh, young kids have a very much like a view of teachers that they're like... Um, they forget that they have lives. Um, I remember, you know, there's that old joke that kids say of, oh, I, they think the teachers sleep at school and stuff like that. And um, I can remember uh, being subject to some of, you know, the perks and sort of privileges that come with being a staff member as opposed to being a student and thinking, wow, I'm on the other side of that divide now. And that was surreal you know uh kids saying oh it's not fair the teachers get to do this and this and <laughs> um yeah so that was um definitely interesting i remember teachers whenever the teachers replacement teachers or aides used to come to my high school they used to get a really hard time did you get did you get picked on by any of the kids or did you did you handle that um really well? i think kids will always try to test the boundaries that's part of um you know not all of them will but uh yeah i think um i handled it well for the most part so what about you john what were some of your first jobs out of school well you had to make money didn't you and the thing was i i was interested in music Mm. i was studying science and i was doing that because i liked it it was the only subjects at school that i ever got decent marks in 
Not that I ever did any homework before I got to boarding school. I didn't know what homework was, and that was a total shock to the system, having to do homework and actually study. But I was very good at mathematics and science, and um, I uh, I continued to study, but I, I couldn't really see any career out of that, and I wasn't following any career path. I was interested in my band and, and making music and the whole lifestyle that went along mm. with that. And, <laughs> and money, I didn't have any. I used to eat at the Hare Krishnas. Uh, I think they've still got the free food thing going up there. We used to queue up every afternoon and, and get these plates of um, stewed cabbage and unspeakable <laughs> food, um, and, but it was sustaining. Um, and I did all kinds of work, unqualified work, labouring um, to pay the rent. Mm. Um, and I was living with my mates, my bandmates, and we kind of got houses together. You know, I got my first house um, in Darlinghurst behind St. Vincent's. And um, it was great. It was, you know, it was like a school holiday that, <laughs> that went forever. And yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. That's um, cool. They were great times, but, um, you know, we weren't very good at, at doing all of the things that you're actually required to do, mm. um, you know, paying rent and being responsible in all kinds of ways. You actually didn't need that many um, um, permits back in those days. These days you need a permit to breathe almost, but back then um, you didn't have to carry around papers and you didn't have to... Um, there was a lot of work that you could get, unqualified work, mm. um, and there was a lot of cash money cash was still a big thing and in fact the music industry was completely um under the table business that it wasn't taxed at any level the the bands were played cash the venues uh, and promoters all dealt in cash there was an incredible amount of cash work going on and you know this all changed in the late 80s when i was um i'd been working in the music business as a as a technician, as um, I started as a stage manager and then I uh, moved on to doing audio that I was always very interested in. Um, but, the, yeah, it was all cash money and um, so it wasn't regulated mm. and neither were the venues and the places where we used to play. It was a very um, free range, yeah, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, so you went straight from... Um, the the confines of school into working in a school yeah so because i liked that school a lot and i didn't want to leave like i didn't have any ambition really to go out into the world and and do things like i very much wanted to stay um within a safety net of school and i got to have my wish i got to to stay there that was good um wow people are different i could hardly wait to leave school well, it's to do with the circumstances of my life because I was dealing with a lot of um, uh, health issues that constrained um, my uh, sense of uh, freedom, I guess, and scope. I felt that I needed to stay within certain patterns and certain uh, maintain certain connections to feel secure. And so, um, yeah, I, I wasn't... Uh, Wanting to, yeah, go off and, um, you know, take on the world. Didn't feel up to it. Hey, don't write yourself off yet. 
We just had Jimmy Eat World with the middle, a bit of emo music for you. And uh, yeah, John and I, we're talking about um, insiders and our experiences uh, post-school of um, going out into the world and having to bring home the bread. Um, so I was, yeah, working in uh, a high school um, and it's a very, yeah, unusual environment, uh, small school and because it was an alternative uh, setting, it gave the platform for a lot of um, experimentation, improvisation, and kind of allowed uh, individual staff members there to pursue whatever uh, good ideas or pet projects they might have with a a lot less of the kind of constraint that you'd get uh, in a more mainstream sort of environment. And um, I really liked that aspect of it. And then... um, going to work in other schools uh, is interesting because a lot of the schools where I've worked, they've required me to have uh, keys and carry keys around and have a strict kind of uh, locking policy and everything like that. And one school where I worked, you actually had to have a a walkie-talkie. But uh, there was a particular primary school where I worked um, full-time for more than a year. And... You know, I really did feel that when we were doing these big kind of uh, group activities, like say it was some kind of uh, end of year performance or concert or something like that, uh, and when, you know, all the the kids and the parents and everyone was involved, it did give me a very good feeling, this feeling of being a part of something. And um, I've enjoyed that. Like I I did feel uh, a sense of uh, belonging within that. What about you, John? What about in your work? Um, I started, after the band broke up, I had a period where I didn't really drift around and didn't know what I was going to do. And then I started uh, working for other bands. I was actually always interested in the technical side of music production. And um, one of the things I did was I went to the... um, film school uh, which was out at Macquarie Uni then and I did a radio operators course and I sent letters to all the TV stations trying to get a job uh, as an audio engineer in, in, in television uh, but the thing was back in the 80s there was no such thing as a degree in sound engineering or music if you studied music it was classical music you went to conservatorium um, and uh, so it was like learn by doing it basically and uh, I started pushing boxes around and plugging things in and just learnt from the people I worked with Um, and uh, I moved around and I did all kinds of uh, engineering not not just music I went on to work in theatre which is a pretty different world to the music world Um, 
the working conditions are very different. The pay was much better. Mm. <laughs> There's less um, crooks <laughs> in the uh, theatre business, uh, arguably, than there are in the music. Uh, certainly back then, I was in the music business was run by crooks. Um, uh, I also worked in um, with a lot of uh, radio stations uh, doing live to airs uh, for the ABC. Um, a lot of jazz festivals. Um, I worked on Wayne Adelaide, um, uh, and I also started doing um, location recording as a um, on film projects. Mm. I, I worked on quite a few um, films, and in fact, uh, one uh, one of the categories in the very first Tropfest in about 1983. Well, funny that you should mention Tropfest because that's a good opportunity for me to. Um set up something I'll get into next week which is talking just going into further about my love of movies and the kind of uh, connections uh, within that world and then also um, I'm going to talk about um, other uh, groups and sub subgroups uh, that I've been involved in and my uh, experiences of living in a share house out of home as well which I, I didn't get into this week um, so that's, yeah, coming towards the end of uh, episode two, John. Yeah, well, something I didn't talk about at all is the world of computers, which are incredibly um, uh, big part of society now. Um, back when I was um, um, came out of school, it was uh, they were very rare, but um, I actually did computer programming uh, way back then and became a hacker, so I'm going to talk about that next week. Terrific. Well, um, we are eagerly anticipating our return because we we enjoy this don't we john yeah it's been great to be with you all out there yeah uh breaking waves and as they say in the theater break a leg you're listening to people powered radio proudly supported by the community broadcasting foundation the community broadcasting foundation resources community owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant inclusive australian culture and healthy democracy find out more about our work at cbf.com.au i drew a straight line from my front door to yours You know I'd walk there if I could And my legs are strong enough They don't fall asleep anymore But the lines are longer than I've ever drawn 